You are listening to a sermon by Pastor Christopher Sally of New Life Christian Fellowship Church. The 11 folks you meet in church. Last time we were together, we talked about the seven things that you can expect in ministry. And we looked at 2 Timothy chapter 4 and Paul's kind of list of shout outs and, and, and folks that he found noteworthy to mention to uh, his son in the ministry, uh, Timothy. We are in a similar situation in the book of Colossians. And again, this sermon series, as we probably likely going to conclude it with one more message next week, this, this is a sermon series called The Ins and Outs of God. Amen. And we have looked over these last probably 11 or 12 weeks at the intros and the outros of different New Testament books. And we've looked at what we can glean about God and about ourselves and uh, what he would have for us. And it would seem that a list of shout outs would not be a place to find uh, would not be good and fertile ground to to preach on. But I beg to differ with you that as the Apostle Paul concludes the book of Colossians and he starts really at verse seven and goes all the way through 18. We just read two names. Amen. So you're like, man, that's 11 folks. He, how are you going to get this out of two verses? It's not out of two verses. It's actually out from verse seven all the way to 18. We just read these last two in your hearing. I love the the book of Colossians. Amen. I love what the Apostle Paul is is telling us. And as he speaks to the, the, the believers that are gathered in Colossae and just in terms of uh, overview. Hold on. I forgot to start this. Just in terms of overview, uh, if you wanted to boil the book of Colossians down to just one word, it would be the word hope. Amen. It would be the word hope. It's a hope that transforms us from darkness to light. That's his emphasis in chapter one. It's a hope that conforms us to the image of Christ in chapter two. It's a hope that reforms our mind and our conduct. That's his emphasis in chapter three. And it's a hope that informs our duties and responsibilities in chapter four. So a hope that transforms and a hope that conforms, a hope hope that reforms and a hope that informs. Amen. And Colossians 1 and 5 is a, is a key verse where the apostle Paul says, uh, the faith and hope that spring, I mean, excuse me, the faith and love that spring from the hope that is stored up in you in heaven that you are already heard about the word of truth, the gospel that has come to you. So he says there is a faith and love, but that faith and love spring from the what? from the hope. And then I want to say maybe the, the, the verse that the, in Colossians 1 and 27 that talks about hope that I just also want to emphasize is when he says, to them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Amen. Christ being in you is the hope of glory. And so when he came as, as, a, uh, as, a, as a baby to the world, it was, as Emmanuel, it was, 
it was uh, Emmanuel means God with us. I mean, it was Christ with us. And then we get to the cross of Calvary, it's, it's, it's Christ for us, amen. Then when you get to the church age, this is the verse that reminds us that in the church age, it's Christ in us, amen, the hope of glory. And then at his triumphant second coming, it will be Christ to us, amen. And so that's the hope that we have. And the, the apostle Paul bathes this book in, in hope, in hope. And there are 11 folks that he shouts out, if you will, as he concludes this book. And the first of which is Tychicus. And it's in verse seven. He says, Tychicus will tell you all the news about me. He is a dear brother, a faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord. I am sending him to you for the express purpose that you may know about our circumstances and that he may encourage your hearts. The first believer that the Apostle Paul shouts out is Tychicus. And I would tell you that these 11 folks, there are eight that I am definitely, as a pastor, there are eight that I'm looking for. Amen. And I'm, there's three that I'm sure to find. It's three on this list that I'm that I'm sure to find, but there's eight that 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 I'm looking for, and it's not that the three, uh, are, well, one of the three is, but 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 it's not that that don't, that's a necessarily a bad thing. I just know my my experience in the Lord and my experience as a pastor and a believer say you'll always find three of these folks in church, but these other eight. You, you're always looking for. And the first is Tychicus because Tychicus is the brother who serves the body. Amen. He's the one that serves. He traveled with Paul to deliver the offering to Jerusalem churches at the end of his third missionary journey. It's, that's reflected in Acts chapter 20 and verse 4. And then he, he was actually considered as a temporary replacement for Titus as the pastor of the church in Crete so Titus could visit Paul. We talked about that at the end of Titus chapter 3 a few weeks ago. He says as soon as I send Artemis and Tychicus to you, do your best uh, Titus to come to me because I've decided to winter there. So again, this is somebody who has great utility in the body of Christ because he says, hey if I can't ask you to come to me unless I send a suitable replacement to help you manage that church in Crete. He, he was facing execution and Paul wanted to see Timothy one last time. We talked about that in 2 Timothy 4 and he didn't want to leave that congregation in Ephesus and so he said I sent Tychicus to Ephesus. We talked about that last time. It's somebody who is deployed for from the ministry. Amen. That was him and so again he is uh, designated as a dear brother, a faithful minister, and a fellow servant. Don't you want that to be your reputation when somebody is talking about you? A dear sister, a faithful minister, and a fellow servant. That would mean that you were noteworthy. That would mean that you were praiseworthy. And that would mean that you were trustworthy. Amen. That's that. That's what I want my rep to be. I want to be able to. I want somebody to be able to say it's noteworthy uh, that that he's a dear brother. It's praiseworthy that he's a, a faithful minister, and it's trustworthy that he is a fellow servant. Because all of those things mean that you got some affection, you've got some attention, and you've got some association with me, and that's a good thing. So Tychicus, whose name means fortunate, he is the believer that serves. The ministry. He serves the body. Onesimus, 
he is coming with Onesimus, our faithful and dear brother, who is one of you. They will tell you everything that is happening here. <laughs> Onesimus, faithful, dear brother, and one of you. I, I love Onesimus because the other time that you really see Onesimus mentioned is in Philemon chapter one. And, and as the, the apostle Paul writes to Philemon, we begin to see some of, come on somebody, uh, Onesimus's backstory, amen? And you may or may not realize it, but, but you got a backstory too, amen? You got a backstory. And Onesimus's story was that he, he's a runaway slave, and I don't know what the circumstances are that caused uh, Onesimus to separate from Philemon, but when he left, he was not a believer. And Paul says, I came into contact with him, and, 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 and now I appeal to you because he became my son while I was in change. He said, formerly he was useless to you, but now he has become useful both to you and to me. And his name actually means useful. Amen. But he says, before he was useless to you because you were, he was a slave. And again, I don't know exactly the circumstances. We're not talking about chattel slavery like we experienced, but but he was in a position where he he escaped. And, you know, I can't blame a brother for that. I, I, I Like I said, I don't know all of the ins and outs of it, but he says, I want you to welcome him. And in verse 18, he says, if he has done anything wrong or owes you anything, charge it to me. So again, there is a breakage, but the apostle Paul says, I want to send him back to you, but I need you to welcome him. I don't need you to berate him. I don't need you to try to re-enslave him. I need you to accept him as a brother because now he's useful not just to you but to me and his usefulness has everything to do with the fact that he is now a believer in the body of Christ. And so Onesimus is the believer that surrenders from his past. He's the believer that surrenders and, 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 and the Philemon, uh, the apostle Paul has a relationship with him. He says, you're my son too, but I got to let you know, you got to understand just like it says in second Corinthians five and 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. He, he's, he's riffing on, a, on, a, on Galatians 3 and 28 when he says there is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female for we are all one in Jesus Christ. And to summarize that, I would use the words that the apostle Paul used in Ephesians chapter 2 or at the end of 2 Timothy chapter 4 when he said, but God or notwithstanding the Lord. Amen. The change of trajectory of your life and my life has everything to do with God, but God. And if you can surrender from your past, you can become useful in ministry as well because some of you were child abusers and some of you were drug users, but God. Some of you were backbiters and some of you were alley fighters. Some of you were smooth talkers and some of you were street walkers, but God. Some of you were gangbangers. 
and some of you were dope slangers, some of you were pill poppers, and some were bar hoppers, but God, some were gossip tellers, and some were corner dwellers, some were bedroom peepers, and, and some were cross town creepers, some were dice shooters, and, and some were house looters, some were no good gamblers, and others were midnight ramblers, some were violence doers, and some were porno viewers, some were cold blooded killers. Some were auto stealers, some were perpetrators, and some were player haters, but God. But God. So you got a past, you got a backstory that God has delivered you from. And so again, you should be encouraged by a believer like Onesimus, because Onesimus is the one who has surrendered from his past. He used to be some things, but he's not that anymore. He's useful because he's in Christ right now. And the apostle Paul says, you need to welcome him like a brother. But God tells Philemon, like he would say in Colossians chapter 3, you need to, you need to shelve some things. Amen. You got to put some things on the, on the shelf. And he says that in verse 13 of chapter 3 when he, he would encourage them this way. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord has forgiven you. Sometimes we, we want to always remind people of who they used to be. We want to bring up their backstory and make that the front story. The story is the two words in between the backstory and where they are now. And those two words are but God. That's the story. Amen. And so let's stop crucifying over and over again the people for who they used to be. And let's appreciate for them for the people that they are now and can be in Jesus Christ. But God. My fellow prisoner, Aristarchus, sends you his greetings. There's not a lot of information here about Aristarchus, but we can glean it from other places in Scripture. And when I tell you Aristarchus is the believer that stands during trouble. He's the believer that stands during trouble trouble. He was with Paul when Paul was on his way to Rome, and he endured that 14-day storm and that shipwreck that's talked about in Acts chapter 27. Your boy Aristarchus was with the apostle Paul then, and and he he was with the apostle Paul in that Ephesus uprising in Acts chapter 19 when they got into the whole thing with the with the silversmith workers and 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 the temple of Diana and that controversy when it says soon the whole city was in an uproar and the people seized Gaius and Art Aristarchus and Paul's traveling companions from Macedonia and rushed as one man into the theater so he was with them he was with them then and he was with Paul when he traveled to deliver the offering to the Jerusalem church at the end of of Paul's missionary journey that's talked about in Acts chapter 20 and verse 4 and he is mentioned again in Philemon 1 as a fellow worker he is the believer who stands you need believers that are going to do what stand doing trouble and having done all 
to stand. Stand having on the breastplate of righteousness, the shield of faith, loins girded about with truth, feet shot with the preparation of the gospel of peace, taking the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Your boy Aristarchus can, can tell you a little bit something about that because he stood when it was not popular to stand. He stood when the times got rough. He did not run, cut and run. He stood and he stayed. He is the believer that stands during trouble. Trust me as a pastor. Trust me as a fellow believer. I'm looking for those cats to be in the ministry. Those that stand, those that surrender, those that serve the body of Christ. That's the ones you're looking for. Then you got your boy, your boy Mark. Not Pastor Mark. Spelled differently. This is not the Mark I'm referring to. This Mark is the cousin of Barnabas. He says he sends his greetings. Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, you have received instructions about him. If he comes to you, welcome him. We talked about Mark the last time because Mark was the one. Uh, who who uh, had some had some issues, and when the chips were down a little bit, Mark was not there. Now this is Mark, who is the cousin of Barnabas. Barnabas wanted to take him on that next missionary journey. We talked about this in in Acts chapter. I want to say it was in Acts chapter twelve. Ex- excuse me, but. Paul was like, nah, we, we ain't taking Mark with us because when we were in, in another part of the, the country, we, he, 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 didn't, he, he didn't stand with us. He kind of he, he left the group and went home. Part of the reason I think he's, he's also the one that when, when Jesus was uh, captured in, in Mark chapter 14, uh, we believe that they said there was a certain young man having a linen cloth about his naked body and the young men laid hold on him and he left the linen cloth and fled from them naked. So he fled at Jesus' departure. The rest of the capture, excuse me, the rest of the disciples fled too. But here's what I like. Acts 12 and 12 says when he, this dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, where many people had gathered and were praying. Mark came from a godly home. Beloved, Mark was a church boy. Church boy. He grew up in church. His mama was a praying mama and he grew up in church. But when the chips were down and he got a chance to grow up and do ministry, he bailed on Paul and Barnabas and said, I got to go back to mama's house. So he might only just not just been a church boy. He might have been a mama's boy, too. He might have been a mama's boy, too. But this kind of believer is the one that we will see, and I praise God that we see at church all the time. Mark is the believer who stumbles but succeeds. He didn't get it right the first time. In his big moment to travel with his his big cousin and the Apostle Paul, and you could just tell the way the Apostle Paul gets down, 
he, he, yeah, he, he, I don't have time to be babysitting church boys that when, when we get ready to fly, you know, fly out, I mean, to, to sail out, you, you can't get yourself together. You, you need to go home, and I'm not picking you to come back. But something happened in, in, in Mark's life where even though he stumbled, he got another chance. Why? Because we serve of God, not just of a second chance. We serve a God of another chance. And you can stumble and you can fall down and you can get back up. You can dust yourself off and you can get back in the game. You may not get it right the first time. You may not even get it right the, the, the third time or the fourth time. But you can get back up directionally and say, I want to pursue Christ and I want to do all that I can do to press towards the mark of the prize of the high calling in Jesus Christ. And when you do that, you can stumble at first, but you can succeed because he's a God of another chance. And even though his rep was, as Fred Sanford would say, like this. That's what the Apostle Paul said. Listen, he says, you have received instructions about him. If he comes to you, welcome him. Why? Because the word was out. You don't want to mess with Mark because when the chips are down, he might bail. But the Apostle Paul said, no, I got some instructions for you. When you see him, you welcome him because as I told you the last time in second Timothy, he's useful for me in ministry. Something has happened. He's turned it around. He's placed his feet as the song would say on solid ground. He is, he's going on to press his claim in Jesus name. Amen. And so he's, he's, he's turned his, his situation around and you can turn your situation around. Why? Because you serve a God of another chance. I just don't think you're excited enough. Maybe it's because you've never stumbled. Or maybe it's because you've never tried anything to even fall down. But as the song would say, we fall down, but we get up a saint. It's just a sinner who fell down and got up. Get back up again. Get back up again. I don't care if you messed it up the first time. You serve a God of another chance. The Apostle Paul said, shout out from your boy Mark. And no matter what the word on the street was before, I got instructions about him. You welcome him. Amen. The God, the, the, the believer that stumbles but succeeds. And then he said, Jesus, who is called justice, also sends greetings. These are the only Jews among my fellow workers for the kingdom of God, and they have proved a comfort to me. Justice. Jesus, or justice is his name, but we'll call him justice. <laughs> Amen. He was a Jew who apparently lived in Rome, and what I love about justice is even though he had a Jewish heritage, justice is the believer who submits to the truth. Amen. Despite a religious past, he submits to the truth. You think about what the Apostle Paul says in Romans chapter 10 about his fellow Jews. He says, brother, my heart's desire and prayer for the God of the, uh, to the God uh, for the Israelites is that they may be saved. For I testify about them that they have a zealousness for God, but their zeal is not based upon knowledge. Since they do not know the righteousness that comes from God, they sought to establish their own. They did not submit to God's righteousness, but Christ is the end of the law so that there may be righteousness for everyone who believes. You know 
this story. You know the progression and what, what, what happened between in terms of the old covenant and the new covenant. Justice had a Jewish heritage, but he was able to submit to the truth like the apostle Paul was. He was able to see that the old covenant had, had, uh, was dead and that the new covenant was based upon a better mediator. It was a better covenant because it was based upon better promises. And he submitted to the truth. There's so many of us that can sometimes get caught up into religion and tradition, but you're not submitting to truth. The only thing that matters is truth. When God reveals truth, you need to receive it and not reject it and rethink it and replacement. replace it. When you rethink it, it's philosophy. When you replace it, it's religion. God is not looking for you to be to be a part of a religious uh, order. He is looking for you to submit to truth as he's revealed it. That's got to be your prayer on a daily basis. Lord, I want you to be able to reveal your truth to my heart and my mind through the Holy Spirit as you speak to me through the Holy Spirit in prayer and circumstances and other believers to reveal yourself, your purposes, and your ways. I want to be able to to, uh, respond to the truth that you have revealed. It doesn't matter what anybody else says. It doesn't matter in terms of of what uh, the religious expression is. I got to be able to find you and chase you and you alone and my man justice was one who submitted to the truth Epaphras who is one of you and a servant of Christ Jesus he sends greetings he is always wrestling in prayer for you that you may stand firm in all the will of God, mature and fully assured. I vouch for him that he is working hard for you and for those at Laodicea and Hierapolis. And, and higher, higher polis, excuse me. Epaphras, the believer that sacrifices for others. Oh, I'm looking for that believer. I'm looking for that believer. Wouldn't you love that that's your reputation, that, that it would be said of you, hey, he's one of you. He's, he, that, that this is a believer who's a servant of Christ. This, you're a believer that says she's always wrestling in prayer for you. It's the same word in Colossians 1 and 29 that's translated struggling. That's struggling and wrestling. You can even get that image when he says we wrestle not against flesh. I mean, it's the, that, there is some, that there is some resistance that you're fighting over, that there's somebody that's on their knees constantly before the Father for you. For you. That's, that's, that, that's Epaphras. That's the one who sacrifices for others. He's wrestling in prayer that you might be able to stand firm in the will of God, that you might be mature and, and fully assured. I mean, it's not, just a, it's not just a prayer that things will go well in your life. He says, I want them to grow and understand. I want them to be able to get to a place where they're fully uh, assured and mature and stand firm in the will of God. He's praying that you and I would be able to be in a place that we would see the will of God, that God would show us the will of God, that we would submit to the will of God, and that we would obey the will of God. He said, that's what's best for you, and that's what's best for all of us. And so the the apostle Paul said, I'm vouching for this brother. He is working hard. Now, I don't know if 
somebody had put the word out that Epaphras was on vacation when he was with Paul. But, but he was like, no, let, let me make sure you understand he is working hard for you. Colossians 1, 9 through 12 talks about may you be filled and, and live a life that's worthy and, and pleasing and giving thanks. And so it's like he, he, you could be praying that you would be bearing fruit, which is working, that you would be growing in knowledge, which is learning, that you would be strengthened, which is training, that you would be giving thanks, which is praising. I think it's in that vein that the Apostle Paul says, your boy Epaphras is on it and he's on it constantly for you. And then this is a, a mention in, in, in verse 14, our dear friend Luke, the doctor. Our dear friend Luke, the doctor. You can remember from the last time that in 2 Timothy 4, the apostle Paul says, Luke remains with me. He's the believer that's devoted to the ministry. Here, it's a slightly different angle. What I'm picking up for him from him here is he says it's Luke, the doctor. He is a dear friend. But the fact that he mentions his occupation indicates to me that Luke is the believer that stretches and keeps working. Stretches and keeps working. And what I mean by that, he is using his talent his skill and his ability, not just his giftedness, his, his talent, his skill and his ability for the kingdom. It's no small thing to be able to say that Luke was a doctor. Luke did not park his vocation. Uh, and he didn't put his vocation in park when he was hanging out with Paul and the other believers. He had skills and abilities as a doctor. He realized that I need to submit those too. I will be the one that will encourage the body of Christ. I'll be the one to do so. Some of those things that one could consider more spiritual, but he says, I also know that I have, uh, I have a, a obligation and a responsibility and to, to, to submit my talent, skills, and abilities for kingdom work as well. That, that's an important thing. You, you come, God, God gives you a lot. Amen. It's not just the gift. He gives you a lot. And, the, and the, it's not just the resources. It's not just the money resources. You have talents and skills and abilities. Those things need to be in operation in the body of Christ. But that will require you to stretch. It will require you to stretch. I use the skills and abilities that I have constantly in ministry as well as the giftedness that I know I have uh, that, to preach and teach. But as a finance person and an investment person, I don't park that. I, it, the, 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 the skills and abilities that, that KJ has and that Kim uh, has in terms of the finance sphere. And when we're, do, we're talking about doing the church books and what we'll talk about in, in preparing financial statements and all like that. That's, that's something that I have a skill for and have professional experience in. I don't say, no, I'm only doing spiritual things when I'm in church. I save those skills and abilities for when I get paid. You better stretch. You better submit. And you better, whatever you're doing on the outside that somebody has given you money to do, we need that too. We ain't going to give you no money for it. 
So that's why you're going to have to stretch. And you can't have your lip poked out and say, I, I spent all day trying to do this. No, no, no. But there, God needs this as well. She said, Luke, the doctor. Luke didn't say, you know, I, I'll pray for you. It's like, dude, you, you got your medical bag right there. You got the little antibiotics in the bag. Yeah, I'll pray for you, though, because I'm not on the job right now. You got to stretch and keep working. We talked about our boy Demas. Demas sends greeting. Yeah, this is the Demas from six years ago when you compare him to 2 Timothy 4. And it says, and Demas has departed, having loved this present world and has gone to Thessalonica. This is when Demas was still hanging. This is when Demas was still with him. Demas is the believer. And I guarantee you, you'll see this believer. This is the second believer. I guarantee you, you'll see. It's the believer who scatters because of the world. Scatters. Demas was in and he was with us till he wasn't. This was six years uh, prior. Uh, no, yeah, six years prior than when, or six or seven years prior to when th- Paul made that notation in 2 Timothy. And we've kind of talked about Demas and he loved this present world. And we talked about love, not the world, neither the things that are in the world for the love of the world, uh, uh, the lust of the world and the pride of life and everything that is of the, is not of the father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away in the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. I like this sister here, Nympha. After this has been read, uh, he says, give my greetings to the brothers that lay sins greet and to Nympha and the church in her house. Nympha is the sister or the believer who supports the work of ministry. She's got a church in her house, and that's how it used to be. They used to go house to house, but Nympha saw an opportunity. You know, that's all we really heard from her in Scripture is just one name, but you, you can become noteworthy by just doing what needs to be done. Some things that, you know, supporting beams and, and structures, it may not, it may not be in, in here. It's, you know, we don't even have any stained glass, but I'm saying there, there, there are things that are more prominent in the building, but building supports and building foundations, you don't really see them, but if they're not there, the whole thing falls apart. Nympha was one of those believers that said, I may not be able to preach or teach, and I don't know if she could. I may not be able to do some other things, but I know how to practice hospitality. I know how to open up my home and have it be presentable so that we can come in and have a place of worship. And it reminds me of Romans 12 and 13, which said, share with God's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Amen. That was Nympha. She had a church in our house and she worked behind the scenes and it reminded me of the fact that when before we even started the church way back in the day we used to have bible study at our house in south holland and it used to be a, a wonderful time midweek study and it would be a big deal we would all pitch in and potluck and all these other kind of things but being able to be a support for ministry is very important and then we've got these last two that uh, we read into your hearing already archippus is the first and then paul is the last archippus is the believer who i know we'll see he's the third believer we'll know i know we'll see is the believer that struggles and needs encouragement 
Archippus is the brother who struggles. Tell Archippus, see to it that you complete the work you have received in the Lord. It's like, Archippus, I know that you're maybe getting to a place where you are getting discouraged. I need to, I need to encourage you. Finish what you started. Be uh, therefore, brethren, be steadfast, be immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. It reminds me of Hebrews 6 and 10. It says the Lord is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love and that you show toward his name and that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. So I don't know what his situation was. It, it could have been a, a Psalms 3 situation with his Lord, how they increase that trouble me. Many there be that rise up against me. Many there be that say of my soul, there is no help for him in God. But thou, O Lord, are a shield for me, my glory, and the lifter up of my head. Maybe Archippus needed to hear that word from Psalms chapter 3. Maybe you need to hear that in, in your life right now where you you got you want to say to the Lord, there are people all around me that are bothering me, that, that, are, that are discouraging me, that are coming after me. You need to remember that thou, O Lord, are a shield for me my glory and the lifter up of my head I Paul write this greeting with my own hand remember my chains grace be with you Paul is the believer <laughs> who suffers Believer who suffers for the cause of Christ. He said, remember my chains. And then Paul gives us three, oh, excuse me, four words that will help us and help him to make it through when you are a believer that suffers. Again, when we talk about the suffering, we sang a song that said, this is the time we realize that God is good. And may your battles end the way they should. And may your bad times Prove that God is good. Because the Apostle Paul says, grace be with you. That's how you're going to make it over. That's how you're going to make it through. That's how you're able to serve. That's how you're, you're able to be in a place to support. That's, that's how you keep yourself instead of scattering. That's how you, you'll be able to be in a place where you surrender. That's how you'll, you'll be able to stumble but then succeed. If you, that's how you'll be able to submit and to sacrifice and, and, and to stretch. It's because of God's grace. And the Apostle Paul says, when you remember me, Remember that grace, too, because God's grace is what will make it possible for you to do what you need to do. These are the 11 folks you'll meet in church. I'm sure one of these is you. Maybe multiple ones uh, are you, but I don't think that there is a, a church believer that Paul did not cover when he sent this message out at the end of Colossians. But I tell you, I want to be the one like Tychicus that has this noteworthy and praiseworthy and trustworthy, the believer that simply serves the body of Christ. Don't you want to have that reputation today to be one who serves the body, one who stands in the midst of trouble, one who supports 
one who stretches. All of these are good believers to be. And I believe that the Apostle Paul has encouraged us sufficiently, even though he says, I'm the believer that right now is the one who is suffering. I'm the one that's in chains. I write this with my own hand. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. And may God's grace be with you as well as we think about these 11 folks we meet in church. And may we strive to be the ones that do the kingdom work that's necessary, that will be pleasing to God, that will bring him glory, and that would edify the body. Father, thank you for all you